My name is Lika, and I feel angry about imposter syndrome. <laughs> and that's valid. Yeah. That's valid. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that thing. Yeah. And it's just these voices in my head that tell me I am better off giving up or giving in instead of letting people down. And now these forces pull me in and make me stay in bed instead of getting up and convincing me that the morning's not my friend. And I know that I'm not the only one who's got these voices that they try to hide away. What's going on, my fellow imposters? Thank you very much for tuning into this episode number three of Imposter Syndrome, uh, the podcast where we talk all about uh, doubts and uh, feeling like an imposter uh, in your field of work. Uh, for ours, it happens to be around art and music. Uh, on the podcast today is a very good friend of mine. Uh, I'm very excited to have her on the show. Lika is going to be on the show today. We talk a lot about her uh quote-unquote unconventional style of music writing. Uh, she does a lot of improvisational uh, style writing with jazz and contemporary and uh, um, has them performed on stage. Talk a lot about the, the doubts that roll through your mind in performances and uh, how pushing yourself out there is the right thing to do, although you still feel like you want to vomit. And that seems to be the interesting thing um, with with performing or pushing yourself to do things that scare you. So the one thing I always tell my students is I always tell them, uh, when you go to perform and you're up on a stage, it's terrifying. We all feel that, that terrifying fear before you go out on stage. And if you watch video of some of your favorite artists, I just saw a clip the other day of the singer from Metallica. He's, you know, James is waiting to go out on stage and he's got his guitar in hand and you can see him like, and he's like pumping himself up and he's getting himself going. He's getting himself ready to go up on stage. This is a guy who, who's been performing to massive crowds for decades and still has that moment where he has to pump himself up before he goes on stage. This is something that happens to all of us. And what I tell my students is that they'll, they'll ask me, when does stage fright go away? I tell them it never goes away. You just, you get used to to the feeling. One thing I always used to say to myself was, uh, am I nervous? Yep. Do I feel like I want to vomit? Yep. Okay. So that's the usual feeling I usually have. So just another day at the office. Let's go up on stage. Let's do our thing. And I would go up and I'd perform. And even though I'd be still very nervous, I was used to what that nervous feeling felt like. And I came to kind of expect it. So when I went up on stage, I didn't necessarily fear it after a while, once I kind of started to learn this at first I did, but I, after a while, I, I, I didn't necessarily fear it. I just got used to it. And I just, like I said, I came to expect it. So I'd, I'd get to the stage. I'd feel that sensation that I would vomit and I don't want to go out there. And, and what if this goes bad? I feel that feeling, but I know every other show that I've played, whether it's gone great, whether it's not gone great, whether it's gone terrible, I've still come off stage and been fine. 
nothing happens to me, nothing changes. I go back out there another day and I perform again. Um, nobody takes that away from me. So I started to just get used to that and being able to perform with it than trying to fight against it or trying to get away from it. Because that's the thing. Our fear is part of us. It's part of us to be there to protect us. It's part of us to be there to prepare us. That's the whole thing. So if you try to get rid of it, that's that's not possible. That's a, that's a part of who you are. There's a very interesting game we talk about in this podcast. Very interesting game called Celeste. It's on PlayStation. It's on Nintendo. It's on Xbox, maybe, I think. Don't quote me on that. Um, but it's called Celeste. And the storyline is incredible. It's this really cool little platformer game, kind of retro style, which is really nice. That plays up my alley because I really like retro games. Um, but the storyline is about this battle between this girl who's going through this depressive state and this fear and doubt. And, you know, I guess kind of an imposter syndrome. That's how I took it anyways. Um, and you just you constantly fight against this character and the progression through the storyline that you have with this other character is incredible. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it unless you want me to. Then on the next episode, I'll talk more about it. Uh, but it's a game I highly recommend if you struggle with this and you like playing video games and you want to relate to a storyline. That is definitely one to check out. But for now, we have a podcast to do. So on today's show, my good friend, wonderful musician wonderful composer she's a composer man that's fantastic uh fantastic music teacher my friend lika lika thank you very much for being on the show okay so here's the here's the crazy thing with the podcast there's a whole lot of who would care who would want to hear me talk who would want to be on this thing uh why am i better of a teacher than anybody else like all those things right yeah but the odd thing that i find and what's really helpful with this podcast is the more i talk to people my first thought in my head was who would even want to be on this podcast? Because in the end, like, what do you get out of it? I don't know. But then when people started saying yes, yeah, all of a sudden my imposter syndrome changed the, the narrative direction just a little bit and said, well, who would want to listen? So I can see what, what's kind of happening is like, it, it acts real big, but if you yeah. step towards it, it steps back <laughs> huh. is what I'm kind of noticing. Um, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, I'm interested. It's based off of three prompts. It's the the uh, um, first time you felt it, recent time you felt it, and what you do to deal with it. So what are your thoughts of imposter syndrome in your life? I think for me, the first time I really felt it was uh, when I was in my bachelor degree music. In my first year, we had master class, and all of a sudden, I realized that the way I uh, did music was not the way other people did music and for some reason that really got to me i was like oh okay wait other people are expecting something from me that i'm not going to give i'm going to give something completely different and they're probably going to hate it uh, and for some reason because it was performance based it really really just made me uh just so tense and so uh, uh, not able to to be in my body. It, yeah. it was really, really awkward. And I remember thinking, oh, and just the moment that I had to get on stage 
And, you know, for people who don't know the concept of masterclass, it's pretty much, you know, a teacher and your peers who are listening to you and you're all listening to each other, uh, followed by constructive criticism. <laughs> Everyone's favorite. Yeah. I, and, you know, I couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't make that constructive. Mm -hmm. All I was just thinking was just what I felt. I was like, oh, you know, I'm already feeling this bad. And then they're going to say things, which is then to me, it, it was sort of confirming that I indeed was bad because there, you know, yeah. there was like, oh, it was great, but, and I never, I don't hear, oh, it was great. Even if people would actually give me compliments, I don't hear, I, I don't hear those. Mm -hmm. Or I think, yeah, they're just lying. They're just saying this to, you know, make me feel better because it was so bad. Yeah. And I think, you know, having to survive two years of masterclass, that just did something to me that I, I have not yet been able to repair. Well, what it sounds like is that, you know, with, with the style that you, <clears throat> you perform and you create, yeah. um, it felt like you were already from the get go having to prove yourself where you have one artist who's like, Oh, you know, I'm going to do pop music. So in general, people are going to be like, it was pleasant or it's enjoyable, whatever. It seems like for you, it's like, you're coming out of the gate, you know, sword in hand, and you're gonna have to fight because you're gonna have to prove yourself because you feel like right from the get go, no one's gonna like this at all. Yeah. yeah. And that must be terrifying. Yeah, yeah, it was it was but it's also funny because that is also the way. So I also compose and when I write, no one can stifle my creativity because I'm alone. Mm -hmm. Does it mean that I don't get nervous when it's being rehearsed when it's being performed? Of course, but it's very different. It is not at all. It's I cannot compare it to having to perform myself. Uh, I feel because, you know, I can't get into my head as much when I write. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, uh, for some reason, doesn't doesn't get to me. Yeah, well, it so, seems and like... I've, I've been thinking about that a lot. Like, why is the is it just performance based? No, because my piece is also being performed. I'm not on stage. Yeah, yeah. but it's still, you know, partially me. Yeah. So that can't be it. I have never I've not been able to figure out what it is, maybe because in being creative, you cannot be wrong. But in singing, however, you can be pitchy. You can yes. be like, oh, yeah, I can hear that's poor breath control or, oh, no, yeah, no, she should open up a bit more or, oh, no, poor resonance. It's like there are these things that can factually be wrong. And yeah. I think that might be what makes me then go, oh, goodness, I'm, I will make, and of course I'll make a mistake. Everybody will make a mistake on stage. I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't make a mistake. The moment I make a mistake, they will know. They will know that I'm not a real singer. Like <laughs> well, like, okay, look at our society. Our society has it where, especially right now with the internet, um, I, I talk about it as if the internet was just born yesterday. Uh, but like, when someone goes to see a live artist, someone that they absolutely adore, mm. uh, uh, who knows, Adele, Lady Gaga, Taylor Swift, whoever. And if that show, they happen to be sick, tired, rundown, like whatever, just numerous of things, just a, a bad day. So, uh, uh, um, what do you call that? St uh, stomach acid, you know what I mean? Uh, Harper. Yeah, reflux, reflux, yeah. Yeah, so like it could be anything at all. And people uh -huh. will put that up on the internet and then 
someone else will then vocal coach react it and be like, look at how terrible, look at all this improv. It's one show. <laughs> I know it's awful. Yeah. And this is how our society kind of sets up to be like, you have to be perfect every time yeah. or else you'll be judged. And I, I think that's a really difficult thing for people. That was my biggest problem all the time. I'll, I'll tell you this story really fast. Uh, what kind of made me realize like, oh, that's only in my head. Uh, I performed this one show and this, uh, this group of people, it was a mom and, and two kids, uh, came up to me and said, oh my God, love your show, love your voice, love your songs, so good. Um, and and they, they're like, how have I never seen you? Like, are you new here? And I said, no, I've been playing here for probably five, six, seven years or something like that. And they're like, not possible. We've come to every single show, every single show. There's no way we haven't seen you before. And I go, mm, I, I, I don't know. I've seen them eight different times. <laughs> I just sucked those other eight different times. <laughs> so what ended up happening was they didn't remember me at all. Wow. Well, okay, it's better to to not be remembered than be remembered because you sucked. You no, know? <laughs> like it's better to For be sure. like, a little bit invisible and maybe slip through the through the cracks, which is what happened. Then, like, were you that guy who like was really really bad? It's actually so in the you know the Eurovision Song Festival. Mm -hmm. So that was you know past like last week I think, okay. and the Netherlands didn't really make it through because, and I find this really interesting. There was. Um, mm -hmm a duo that were supposed to sing this song and um the song just didn't really fit them mm -hmm. so they're both really good singers but because the song didn't really fit them and it was just right not in their good range uh they were just they were shredded they were just Yo, yeah. online were like oh and they didn't really do a good performance no but it's not because they're bad and people are like oh well, why don't you get proper singers? And I'm like, no, but this is so unfair. These are good singers. They're just yeah. don't have the right song that they didn't pick. It was picked for them. Yes. So, you know, they ended up changing the key. So, you know, they, they could do a little bit more with them, but they didn't make it through. And I'm like, oh, we are so uh, ruthless. Yeah. So yes, that does make you that feel like, oh, you know, it's it it and that's and that's a funny aspect because that's exactly it it can be and and we've seen it as teachers a hundred times it can just be the fact of the one that they chose or where they decide to put it. like you can yeah. key change anything every every huge famous artist that does a cover of anyone's stuff will key change it to what fits theirs yeah. and it, it's funny because I'll, I'll tell that to students and they're like no no key changing is cheating okay <laughs> Well, if, what if it is? Okay, then cheat. Go ahead. <laughs> like, who cares? Like, in the end, if you go to perform that and it sounds good, no one's going to be like, hey, that's not the right key. No one cares. <laughs> no. No, and plus, everyone's physique is different. You can't, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. come on. Just, yeah. And, and you know? I think, I think another aspect too is like, and I don't, I don't want to hate on it, but like, American Idol, Canadian Idol, Canada's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, like all of these things make it so that way a few things. One, you go up and you're immediately on display and critiqued instantly and torn yeah. apart or praised. Yeah. And it's also put on this pedestal that if you can't make it, 
in that one moment that you'll never make it ever in anything. When in reality, that's not how this works at all. Yeah. It's it's years of grinding, 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 working up, working up, building a fan base over time. Like there's a lot of a lot of that. But also um, skills, like vocal skills. Like you don't you're not born like a great singer. And I think that's a huge misconception. Thinking mm-hmm. you know like. I can't, you know, well, you've had those students that they come and they're like, oh, I can't sing. And it's like, yeah. that's, you're here to, to learn this. Like, this is not like a factual thing that can, yes. that is unchangeable. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta work for it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And it, it, and it's, it's that thing where people look at this and go, you're either born with it or you're not. And yeah. in reality, I'll, I'll tell students, I'm like, when you walk in, in high school, you walk into math class, you look at the teacher and go, eh. I can't do math. I, I, I don't know how to do it. No, no you, you learn it. You do it. When you walk into a new job, do you go like, ah, I can't do that. I don't know how to do it. No, you, you figure it out. No. Like that's how it is for all these things. And this is no different. And I've always said to people uh, um, that I think unless there's some kind of health issue, anyone can learn how to sing because it's just strengthening, conditioning, learning how to control a number of different muscles and whatnot. And that's, that's what it comes down to. Um, but yours, yours is different in a sense, because when it goes to be performed, you don't perform it, do you? So other people go to perform it. Yeah. So when you're putting all this together and having that moment of thinking to yourself, like during creative moments of like, I'm doing this, doing this, da, 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 da. When it's up on the stage and when you're looking at it, you're fearing what everybody else thinks, sure. Is there a moment where you're kind of looking at them and thinking to yourself, like, you know, oh, I, I heard this thing. Oh, I heard this thing here. Oh, I heard this thing. I heard a problem right here. Like, do you have that kind of critical sense to your mind? Or are you just looking at it being like, my hands are off of it now? Actually, yeah, my hands are off of it now. And I do hear it, of course, like, no performance is perfect. That's another thing. So I don't expect people who perform a work I wrote to do it perfectly. I do expect it of myself, but I don't expect it of others. Um, and um, the, I don't know, there's something about not having to be on stage or having written it or the creative process that I'm like, most of the times I listen to my own work and I go, wow, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, like they're performing the shit out of it. This is sounding awesome. And yeah. I, I love what this has become. Um, but I, I don't think I will ever think that of, my, of me performing, ever. This, this is such a thing where when we look at people and we say, listen, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. And when they say, what about you? Go, oh, I can't do anything. (laughs) I'm useless. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know uh, what that, you know, what it is. And I also wonder for myself, does this, you know, is there a, a, an aspect of stage fright to it? Mm -hmm. Because of course, when you then perform yourself, you are on stage yourself. And I don't like that. It makes mm-hmm. me physically feel ill. Yeah. And, you know, and then people say, oh, but you know, it's probably just five minutes before and then you get on stage and you're fine. It's like, no, the entire time I'm physically ill. I just yes. want to leave. And I leave the stage when I'm done and I will cry or I will just yep. beat myself up and go, this was awful. And when I leave and people go, wow, that was great. I'm just like, you're all fucking with me. Like, it's so brutal what you do in your head. Yeah. And the, the thing that I, that I have learned with that aspect is that when somebody comes up and says, you know, great job, that was awesome. 
we immediately in our head go like, that's, you don't need to make me feel better about myself. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I realized what that sounded like. I know it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we do. Right. But I have, I have played shows where things went great and people come up and say nice things. And I've played shows where it was questionable if this is what I should be doing. <laughs> like it was not good. And the biggest difference I see between those two is when it goes well, people will come up and say, great job. When it goes awful, nobody talks to me. <laughs> really? Huh. Nobody comes over. Nobody will say anything. And maybe it's the fact that like, they might feel awkward to be like, oh, there's the guy that sucks. Or what I'm finding more of <laughs> is I'm finding more of it is the fact that people will watch it yeah. and go, wow, that's not good. Anyways, do you want to get some fries? Maybe we should get some more drink. Like, and that's the, that's it. Cause as huh. soon as the next artist goes on, they immediately completely forget your thing existed. Yeah. And how about like when you're in a studio and you record yourself? Mm. Studio is, is, is fun. <laughs> uh, one thing I will tell, one thing I tell a producer right from the get go is I will tell them, uh, never ask me, what do you think of that take? Yeah. Because if you say, what do I think of that take? My brain immediately goes, if you liked it, you would say that's the take. Yeah, why are you asking? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You're trying to see if I'm fine with it. And you're like, yeah, we'll move on then. So I'm in my head way too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I'm in a studio working with a producer, I'm like, ah, oh, this is not what I want. This is not going. But then once it does. Yeah. It's a switch that flips and you're like, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I recorded my EP, uh, my my producer was a good friend of mine is a good friend of mine and i remember just we talked about it a lot like how can we make this work for me um and i was like i don't want to listen back mm -hmm. i don't like i don't get you listen back i i trust you you will know like i'm not gonna do it if you feel we need another take just say let's go again let's go again like yeah just don't don't give any <laughs> no opinions don't ask me anything just just take the complete lead mm. and it worked it really worked and my band members were like oh you don't want to you don't want to listen back and like, no no it, it, it is a little bit better since i started like recording from home and also doing lots of the you know the electronics i mm -hmm. i'm more i'm better at listening back mm -hmm. um because there's more of a finished product and what if you have to listen to your naked vocals this is awful, awful. <laughs> no yeah. one wants that <laughs> it's it's hard to 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 listen to those to those moments and and part of kind of <laughs> what you're talking about is like a little bit of like exposure therapy like re, like just yeah. a, a few minutes ago you talked about the fact you're performing and you feel like you want to vomit yeah. And then you're on stage and you still feel like you're gonna, and then you get off stage and you still feel like you're gonna and then cry. I think with performing, the interesting thing is, is that that feeling stays the exact same. It's just yeah. over time, you're like, am I going to vomit? Yep. All right. Same as usual. And then you just, you, you become, you become numb to the sensation that still exists. That still, you feel it. Um, yeah. And then it depends on the experience that you have live. Like I I've had, the, the privilege of a few times, a couple hundred people in a room singing the song that I wrote all mm -hmm. together for a chorus, whatever else. When those moments happen, it gives you that sense as you were talking about, you're like, huh, this is what I've been working towards. This, 
this uh-huh. year is like just those few moments of euphoria that just happen to exist where you're like, if I could just live in this world right here when I perform, yeah, it'd be great. Which is not how performing works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, although I do have to feel, I do feel if it's with multiple singers or um, when it's something more out of the ordinary, for example, uh, doing vocals for, uh, for example, in 2014, I was part of a little group that uh, was on the soundtrack of The Witch. And that was, that is so fun. And I don't feel any fright whatsoever. I just feel Mm -hmm. the fun of it. Um, And that's interesting. That's maybe, What's the difference there? That it's non-conventional. I think for me, the problem lies in the moment people think they're going to hear a song. (laughs) And I think, because I don't really do songs, like Mm -hmm. I don't. And uh, I'm just, I guess, afraid of people's reaction. So that's also why I don't like to call myself a singer because then people right away go, Oh, you're singing songs. Oh, you do you want to be in Canadian Idol? Do you? And it's like, ah, it's, it's, no. You're so, like, that's not what I do. Yeah, and it's funny because I I should just, you know, be like, that's fine. People don't get that, and that is okay. And you know, why would that affect me? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like it, it seems like what it is is the imposter syndrome lies with like a concept of expectation. Like yeah. if you if you went into a room to perform or or the people were performing your piece, but you one hundred percent knew that everyone in the audience was expecting something unconventional, was there for the purpose of experiencing something unconventional, would you feel as nervous? Probably not. Right? Because the expectation Probably, is there. Yeah. 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 That's true. Ugh. If that expectation is set for everyone to kind of know, you don't have to walk in there to be like, okay, so before anyone gets ahead of themselves, you're not going to like this. <laughs> to be honest, you know, after graduating, I've recorded my EP, I really went from singing to composition a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. But then I got a little angry at myself and I was like, okay, just because, you know, you are now so terrified, it doesn't mean that you have to stop singing because I do enjoy the act of using my voice and being creative with my voice. And I, I'm just, I was just mad that I let like, you know, experiences in, in a a music school to, you know, I didn't want to let that ruin that. That's just stupid. That's just stupid. I don't want to that. No, I don't stand for that. So uh, right before this was right before the pandemic and I made a deal with myself. I'm like, okay, every month you have to perform. You have to, whatever it is, you have to perform. Mm-hmm. And it went really well. January, I, I performed with an amazing little jazz ensemble and I was way out of, I felt so out of my league, but I did it. <laughs> I did it. Did I like how I sounded on one song? Because I was allowed to scream and be very emotional. I'm good at that, you know, giving the drama. The rest, I was just like, oh, I was, I, I you know, I, I'm not, I'm not worth this, worthy of this music. <laughs> In February, I did a show with nine other vocalists. It was amazing. I was terrified, but I did do it. And then in March, I wrote a piece that was performed where I did the electronics live, which is not singing, but there's still that, you know, like, oh my goodness, I can't mess this up. Yeah. Uh, and then 
the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so there went my plan. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I'm kind of back in it now. I wrote a piece not that long ago where uh, that was that was filmed uh, by an amazing, amazing uh, guy who made this amazing video of this piece. It was a six hand piano. Uh, but I wrote a tiny cameo for myself in there. Mm. Tiny. There's like one minute where I appear and I do some vocalizing. And I remember I was like, just do this. This is, you know, this is good. This is going to be, it suits the piece and it's good for you. And of course, the moment it had to be recorded, I was like, <laughs> you're like, why did I do this? Why did I do this? I'm in this room with a producer, with the engineer, with the camera guy, with all the pianists. I'm like, no, Lika, oh, why, why? <laughs> And I just remember like, this is going to be awful, but it's pretty cool. I have to say, I was like, okay, but it was good in the end. And I'm having a show coming up. I'm, I'm singing for someone, which, uh, you know, uh, is going to be, um, challenging for me, uh, but I'm doing yeah. it anyway. Uh, and, and hopefully there will be more of that because I do think the only way to beat this is to, to just do it. I know people who do affirmations, which I tried. It doesn't really work, but what I do try is to really minimize the negative self-talk. Yeah. By just going like, Lika, just, just shut up now. Like, stop. Just think of something else then. And just, you know, mm -hmm. I had this teacher, this vocal teacher at Humber College. Her name was Shannon Gunn and she was fantastic. So knowledgeable, so knowledgeable, so a good person. She passed away in 2020 in August. Mm. Um, but she said to me, because I would give myself so much negative self-talk with every exercise. And she's like, did you do it? And I was like, no, because this and that. And she was like, okay. She's like, Lika, diligent work and no judgment. Mm -hmm. And that, I live by that now. I just go, whenever I go, I will record myself. I just recorded myself and I was like, oh God. no. What am I hearing? Can I open up more here? Yes. Am I holding back here? Yeah. Okay. Diligent work. Do it again. Don't judge. Mm -hmm. And I just do it again. And I try not to judge. I try really hard not to judge. And if I then do judge, if I'm really like getting in a really negative cycle, then I just have to step away. Yeah. That sounds like a much more elegant way of what I usually say to people of let everything you do be a complete disaster. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that is, you know, that is, that is a good thing. That is, yeah, just mess up. Yeah. And, and you have to, because there is the part of the brain that's involved with the, the analytical kind of puzzle solving of what I do here. I have to fix this. I have to open up here. I have to shape this, whatever else. And then there's a whole nother part of your brain that has to look at it and be like, is this, does this sound good? does the whole thing work and fit together? Does this transition from this prop? Like those are two completely different parts of the brain. And if you're using that one to constantly judge everything, everything, you give yourself no chance to be able to play. Cause when you play, you have to discover. And from playing and discovering it's from just kind of doing it off the cuff and just being a terrible, a disaster. Yeah. But that's how you find the fun. That's how you find a thing. And yeah. that's, that's such a thing that everyone really struggles with quite a lot. And I, again, one of the reasons why I wanted to start this, I've tried meditation, affirmation, all those things. And again, my brain heavily so negative at times, yeah. affirmation doesn't, my affirmation saying nice things, my negatives over there being like, yeah, 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna fuck this up later, so you can go ahead and waste time on this. That's fine. Bringing this all around. How do you find right now with this this thing you have coming up now? How do you find you are kind of dealing with it to handle that? Yeah, I am over rehearsing myself uh, mm -hmm. because I want to make sure that I really know the material because then at least, okay, then that's done. And I say that to my students too, the ones who have nerves uh, on stage, I'm like, make sure you really know it because then that's something you don't have to worry about. You don't have to worry about messing up lyrics or melody. Mm -hmm. You know it, so that's good. And then once you know your stuff really well, I feel it's easier to work on technical things. Um, so that what I, that's what I've been doing. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm just hoping that that will do the trick. So that's part of it. Like the, the whole thing is, is that when early in my career, I did not learn that. So I'd go up on stage and perform mess up and then not practice in between that and the next show whenever that is and then go up and yeah. do the same mistake again and then the next show be worried about that same mistake and then overthink yeah. it um it wasn't until later later uh, way later on when i started to realize i'm like oh if i diligently practice i don't have to think about it it just becomes yeah. a thing that happens naturally therefore i can pay attention to other things yeah and that was an important thing i think for me one of the problems was performing on stage to gain people's attention to see like, okay, am I entertaining people enough? Well, as soon as I start thinking that I'm drifting from where my brain is trying to focus on the task I'm currently trying to do. And no. then I, I mess no. it up. So that's, that is a one way to definitely deal with it. So I think, I think you're doing exceptionally well. Uh, oh. um, the people I wanted to have on here were the people that I, I admire, I admire their work. I admire them as a person. Um, you know, and I think you've worked exceptionally hard to be where you are and i think uh even though sometimes you might not be you have thousands but you should be proud of that every second <laughs> anyone that i know that i've talked to about you has nothing but amazing things to say you know do you want to know what the first thing is i just wanted to say hmm. you're gonna laugh i was gonna say yeah but they never heard me sing ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah Cause that's, that's that part of it. Right. But here's the thing. If they did, <laughs> and then you go like explain to them like, okay, so now you've heard me saying, let me explain to you like kind of the expectation you should have when they're, when you're there, Th artistically people can be like, oh, okay. Well then that I get. But yeah. I think for a lot of people, especially people who aren't musicians are thinking like, oh, you play music. So you want to be a famous pop star that makes millions of dollars then? No. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, goodness. That's not at all what, what this is for, for like 99% of us. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, it's setting up that expectation, but even though that, that voice inside the head says that, uh, even if they did, I think they yeah. would still think you're fantastic because everything oh. that you've done, every, all, all your knowledge you have, the help you give people, uh, all of that is, I think what's the most important. Thank you. Well, Matt saved you. <laughs> No, I'm uncomfortable by that. I can't take that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. don't forget, I would always send, if my students would be like, I need a makeup lesson with someone. I was like, you know who's good for you? <laughs> Matt. <laughs> yeah, the, there was a bunch that I had that were like that there where they'll, like, they'll work on 
like scale work and they'll work on theory and they'll work on artistry and they're struggling with a, a technique and they're like you know who's going to solve that technique matt send him over there he'll yeah. do that and yeah. as much as i was kind of like do i want to be pigeonholed like that that's just who that's who i am so embrace that and, and go with it that's a great like that is great i think that's like a really good pigeonhole to be in yeah it took me a while yeah. to realize that though because when i first started teaching i can't tell you i first started teaching and I, I immediately started off with like 40 students something ridiculous and um and uh it, like every day i'd come in and i teach everybody i'm doing my thing i get positive reviews the front desk tell me about them great and then i go home and call my mom or my wife and be like i don't know what i'm doing like all the time. <laughs> Uh, yes. And just like this sheer <laughs> panic. But I think one thing that I that I want to expose with imposter syndrome too is that society tells you if you have imposter syndrome, it's the thing that will help fuel you to to make you better. And I don't it know can. if I I don't know if I like that because it can, but it can also massively hinder you. Yes. I, I like I said, like what can also happen is that you just withdraw. Yeah. That you completely withdraw. And that is terrifying. And I, I know that feeling and that's like a feeling that I is very familiar to me where I'm like, I just want to like stay home, sit on the couch and game 24 seven tears of the kingdom. Yeah. That's like, you know, and then it's, it's, I don't know where that is. There's this little thing in me that I guess that's also in you where it's just like, no, I have to, I have to do this. Yeah. I, you know? I, I've had this conversation with, with with tons tons of people who have no desire to be on stage yeah. and they'll say they're like aren't you just happy with just being not the minimum but just like just getting up going to work you make your money you come home and that's just 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 that no for oh. some reason <laughs> i have this thing in my head that's like you need to be more you need to be bigger you need to be better you need to be there like and as much as that that probably imposter syndrome like, and as much as that does uh, uh, help me in times, it does hinder me as well uh, because I'm like, oh, I've got to do better. I've got to be bigger. And then that imposter syndrome weighs me down from being able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But bigger and better. Those are like really broad terms. You know what I mean? I know. I know. Yeah. Do you think it would be easier? I don't know. And I don't know this, but would it be easier to have more of like a specific goal? Yes. Or yes. is it more scary? Because the moment you, you specify there's the, there's a true, you know, chance of failure. Uh, I think for me, specificity really helps because yeah. then if I know the steps to something, if I'm yeah. like there's step A, B, C, D, E, F, G, until I finally get to the thing, I can look at it and be like, okay, just do step A, just do step A. Now we're on B. Like I can do that. That's fine. But if I'm like, okay, I want to achieve that thing. And I have no idea how to get there. Existential crisis. <laughs> Cause like, I'm like, well, where do I begin? How do I figure it out? What do I know anybody? Will they care? Like, yeah. like there's all of those things that go through my head. And again, another thing that this helps with is, uh, first of all, I have no idea how to do a podcast. Second of all, Who's doing a podcast? Everybody, everybody. There's no need for this one. But instead of me looking at it and being like, 
I have to be the best podcast to be out there. It's just me being like, you know what? The hell with it. Yeah. Step one is just putting it out there for me. That's what I, I think I'm, I'm slowly starting to realize as well is trying to figure out like, how do I want to take teaching for instance and, and gain more students and do all these things. I got to find a way to break it down yeah. and build more to that instead of me just trying to be like, get everybody to come in now. Like I, that's, 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 that's too bipolar of me. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess for me, the, the non-goal uh, life has worked really well. And I, I shouldn't say I have no goals because I just explained how I did this thing where I was like, okay, once a month I'm going to perform. But I guess I didn't really see it as like, there was no goal. That was more mm -hmm. like, I'm going to do a, something, but mm -hmm. there was no end goal. Do you know what I mean? It, it really, it was yeah. like, I just wanted to do this and see what would happen. It's more like, what will the goal be? We'll find out. You know? <laughs> it, it seems like what, what you go for is the opportunity that presents itself. So yeah. you're doing your thing, you're grinding away. The door presents itself. You walk through it. Yeah. Sort of thing. And that seems to be, instead of you trying to break a hole in the wall and construct several doors. Yeah. You're looking at it being like, if I work as I'm doing, a door will come, I will go through it and I'll continue to do that process. Yeah. And, and that works as well. That makes yeah. it so that way you don't feel like every single second or every single element of your success is all based on the entire weight is on your shoulders, which it's never for anybody. That's never how a career works. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, that's a, that's again, taking it and making it small. That's what, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's true. And I also think, you know, to not like thinking more of the process, because for example, I guess the goal would have been for me to get rid of stage fright slash imposter syndrome, because those are very, very tied up for me. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think that will ever go away. This is just, you know, like you say, it's like something you, you will then gradually get used to. And hopefully I can find some joy too, because that's the ultimate goal. Like I don't want to do something that feels torturous only. There has to be, there has to be an aspect of joy because why else would I do it? So, you know, um, for now, the aspect of joy is that I enjoy, uh, practicing. I enjoy, mm. you know, singing. I enjoy creating something. I just don't enjoy doing that final product. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe I just need to look, not look at that so much, yeah. but just look at what it is I'm doing now and that I'm enjoying this, you know, rather yeah. than putting everything on that because on that. that's also not your life. That's like half an hour. That will be half an hour of my life. Like, come on. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I appreciate yeah. you. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm so proud of everything that you've achieved up to this point. You're, you're just, you're an inspiration. Thanks. And as are you, as are you. Well, I'm going to take that in. Yeah, <sighs> Come on. I'm gonna swallow it. It's, it's a hard pill, but I took it. And it's just these voices in my head that tell me I am better off giving up or giving in instead of letting people down. And now these forces pull me in and make me stay in bed instead of getting up and convincing me that the morning's not my friend. And I know that I'm not the only
only one who's got his voices that they try.